Hey human, play some music. Well, welcome. We're here with Lily Mealy and Javon Amer. Uh, they're the founders of Mama Bear Digital. Why don't you tell us, uh, Lily, a little bit about you and kind of some of the, you're doing some really fascinating stuff. So we'll just turn it over to you for a few minutes to uh, catch it all up. Hi, guys. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, we are super excited to talk to you today. Um, so we decided to go after this dream of Mama Bear Digital. Um, really to, to tackle some key issues that we saw um, within tech. So I've been in the the tech industry for over a decade now. I was very lucky. I uh, became a single mom at 21, but I had some very handy, it turned out, tech skills in terms of design and, and, and some code. So I was able to put myself through the rest of college um, using those skills because go figure, even before you graduate, um, people still will actually pay for those skills. So um, I learned firsthand how valuable they can be while I was finishing up school um, and raising my daughter. Um, I'm now married with three kids. We live outside of Washington, D.C. But uh, more more importantly, I've been blessed with the opportunity to have just this fantastic career um, working for some wonderful companies. Um, I was at Cision for five years where I headed uh, global creative and brand. Um, and it was such a really, it was such an interesting experience for me working with a, a global team. But I wanted to pay it forward and and do something that I think needed to be done, which is reinvent the idea of apprenticeship within digital and tech. So we founded Mama Bear Digital. Um, and what we do is we work with associates who are new to tech, new to that world, but have done the technical training and skill set building. Um, women, usually moms, um, who have haven't had the opportunity to go to a four year school or you know can't take that on. Um, often stay at home moms and but have gone after taking uh, digital technical training. And um, we have them work with some of the real experts in the field. We have some incredible, incredible leaders in um, the fields, and they work hand in hand with those experts um, as apprentices, uh, essentially, to produce fantastic client work. So um, we have a range of digital marketing, um, web design and development, social media, uh, and uh, brand and design offerings for our clients, but they're working with a digital agency, but uh, they're also really supporting a fantastic example of what I think the future should be of uh, the associate and um, something that could be a fantastic way to diversify um, and really take the tech industry to the next level. Um, I, think and I think that's a really fascinating idea. I mean, one of the things that 
when we spoke is this idea of apprenticeships uh, versus mentorships versus internships. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense uh, from the idea that a lot of times it's just dropping someone in, but an apprenticeship seems like a much more long-term, uh, much more satisfying relationship and that you can grow on. So how, how has been the response to people when you start talking about bringing the, the, the idea of an apprenticeship back into the technology space? Well, I've found it to be overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think that we are at the point in our country where, and it, certainly in, in the tech industry, where uh, the idea of internship is underpaid and doing busy work. And to be frank, that's not actually helping anyone's career. That's helping you know sure. the people right, that right. need busy work done, but not actually developing career. I, I think we're taking it to a very different um, perspective. We're approaching all that we do as mm -hmm. how can we help develop the careers of everyone involved in addition to producing some remarkable client work. So it's a very different model. I think that uh, the, the honest truth is very few four-year degree programs train people and give them the skills to adequately start work as real contributors in tech and digital. So as jobs become increasingly dependent on technology, like what are the challenges for your workers to make that transition into those kind of positions? Well, I would argue that our associates are more capable than a lot of four-year college grads. Um, because they've done the hands-on training and they've done the digital and tech skill sets in a way that very few four-year degree programs offer. So, um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that just simply because I, I think it's funny because both tree and I are designers and it's, it's really funny that when you, when you learn about design, for instance, and you're working in technology, it's not about <laughs> making something look pretty, more often than not, it's about how do you work with engineers? How do you yeah. work with things to actually get the end product? And and in a classroom setting, basically what you're doing is you're saying, here's my work, and the teacher appreciates it, and everybody reviews it, and that's great. In the real world, you show your work, and they go, I'm not building that. Yeah. Well, and not to mention the lack of teamwork. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. I, I mean, I, I, so I've managed designers for years and um, many designers. And I have always hired from a perspective of my non-negotiables aren't about talent. My, my non-negotiables are about no fragile egos, no jerks, um, and people who actually want to learn and grow and have a passion for the company and not just people who are the most talented at design. Right. Because um, talent can I, only go so far when it comes right. to technical skills. Like there's yeah, so many soft skills that are in play. Yeah. And I think that there's a certain amount of, I always approached management a lot like I approached the idea of Mama Bear. So, um, I mean, I, I think all of the employees that have worked for me would agree with that. I hope they would. Mm -hmm. um, well, but, speaking of which, let's let's uh, we have we have someone else on the call. Yes. Let's, let's, so let's... Um, my my co-founder Siobhan Amer Amer. Hi. Um, 
sorry, my co-founder, Siobhan Amer, is on the call, and um, she's kind of my inspiration for why I, we decided to take this on. And um, I am so excited that she's joining us because um, she has a fantastic story, and uh, she is a living testament to the change that it can make in your life if you go through digital training and you really believe in your ability to transition into a tech career. Welcome, Siobhan. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. So tell us this this, this story. There's been a good buildup. <laughs> um, so hopefully I don't disappoint, but um, Lily tells this much better than I do. Um, but uh, I met Lily online during my pregnancy with my oldest daughter. And um, she was very active in the group and she was very uh, open and sharing. A lot of us were first time moms and um, she talked quite a bit about her career and uh, there was something about her story, knowing that she was a single mom and she was able to learn these skills. It really spoke to me as somebody who was um, transitioning from the workforce to becoming a stay-at-home mom, but I'd been working since I was 14 years old. So to go from working for so many years to not doing anything at all, as much as I love my daughter and being home with her, I wanted to be able to contribute to our family some way and have something that was my own. Um, so her and I just continued to talk. Um, I ended up coming to Virginia and working for her and really getting to see every single day what she was doing. And I realized it was an incredible field. And I kind of just dove headfirst into it. I took pretty much every course I could find online, every webinar. I found every influencer in that space and, and watched what they did and kind of just became a sponge and absorbed everything that I could about the field. and found what I liked and what was really interesting to me and just learned and learned and learned and realized that I had all these skills, but I didn't know how to jump in and actually start getting clients, how to... That's so inspirational. I mean, for workers that are coming back to work, such as parents, how quickly do they feel out of sync and what do you do to get back in sync? I, I know you mentioned you did research and... Yeah. I mean, it's almost immediate when you go back to, I, there was a short time there after my daughter, I had to very quickly go back to work. And I, it was like, how do I get into a space where I'm going to create a career for myself without feeling like, holy moly, I'm in over my head. What did I do? And there really wasn't, there wasn't that great area for me to get into where I felt comfortable. You very quickly realize that time off of work has really kind of put you behind. Yeah. Being able to to work with Lily and, and have her support and encouragement and have her help me land those first couple of clients. It was exactly what I needed to feel confident in my skills and feel that I could go after it on my own. And, um, her and I kind of talking about that, that emotional jump for me to feel like, okay, I have, I can do this. Right. Um, that's kind of what started the talks for uh, mama bear. That's yeah. great. I mean, feel I feel like people are not as motivated as as you clearly are. And it's amazing that you guys could put together this platform where people can find skill sets that you guys are describing. You know, I would say that it's incredible how motivated moms are <laughs> in terms of wanting to transition and build a career and support your family and wanting better for the next generation. I mean, I would say there there are very few, um, even very ambitious young, you know, people in their twenties who 
really will go get it as hard as my fellow moms. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to, to tackle that because there's, a, there's this un, unharnessed potential um, and unharnessed drive that so clearly has a place in tech, in the digital space. And it's something that is incredibly powerful. And, um, you know, a, a, as an industry, we keep saying we want to diversify. We want to, um, we want to have more women. We want to have more minorities in tech. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, I feel like that's exactly where the industry is going towards diversity and towards more personalization. Well, I don't we've think gotten, that as right. an industry, we've gotten called out validly uh, about the lack of diversity. So, um, you know, but who who are the people that aren't currently engaged in the economy and who don't have the opportunity to go to a four year university? So, if and you- I think that really gets us to kind of the the thrust of because as as we're talking about the future of the workplace, we're talking about uh, a substantial amount of jobs um, that are going to be transitioning. So, as as you look for, I think they talked about the the number of jobs lost in retail. I really line up kind of with the number of jobs gained in the warehouse, but that's not really what we want to see. What we want to see is uh, is basically jobs being made available to groups like moms, uh, like the underprivileged, the underserved, in into more white collar positions, as opposed to creating this, oh, well, we can do these other smaller jobs. Upward career path, that's everything, you know, that is at the end of the day. There's a sense of intimidation if you don't have the, I think, as we talked about, if you don't have the, um, the, the computer science degree. If you come in, there's your average job listing says that you need to know all these computer languages. Coming back seems very intimidating, or even entering into this seems very intimidating. So, what are different ways okay. moving forward that you think in the in the future that we can actually level this out a little bit that that provides access to more people? I mean, theoretically, we're in the 1099 economy, right? So that's what everyone keeps talking about. What does that mean? Like, can you just I'm sorry, the contractor economy, right? Like th- that's what every everything is is being done as is is as 1099 contractors, as freelancers, as um, no one is getting, or or it's it's becoming much more frequent to to be a contractor as opposed to being on salary. And I don't know that there is a career out there. Uh, there are a couple, but but there there are very few careers out there that are more suited to moms struggling with the balance of family and career that are such a natural fit as digital and tech careers. Because you know what, you can take time and have your own freelance business. And be flexible and be there and be present. And then, you know, take Cheryl Sandberg's advice and lean in once your kids are in school. And But you're not having that time off. You're staying abreast of the industry. You're staying abreast of what's going on because you're working with clients on an ongoing basis. And but it but it's a lot more flexible, and it's not something that you would have a commute for. It's not something where you have to worry about moving your family around. I mean, it's a huge advantage for moms who uh, are army wives or uh, or any sort of military. Uh, that's a tremendous bonus, and um, it's it's something that it's a way to stay relevant 
without sacrificing your family life. And that's what I did. I mean, and and it was awesome. And I think that's that's the idea of if you look at the traditional worker, the traditional worker gets up, commutes in, sits at a desk, and sits there in front of that desk and trades their time for money, uh, which doesn't mean that they're always more, I don't know, productive just because they're sitting in a room with other people. I'm a heck uh, of I, a lot less productive in an office, right, for the record. Right. So I think a lot of that can change. I have a friend who actually was a CEO in uh, San Francisco, and he's he's done something pretty remarkable in that he now can work remotely, but he packed up his uh, wife and his child, and they are now traveling the world. That's what uh, one and- of our experts oh, wow. is doing. So what, one of the experts on our team is world schooling. I think that's amazing. It's awesome. I grew up that way, so, um, so not – quite that model, but, um, my parents are both national geographic. And so I grew up on assignment. So, uh, uh-huh. I, I'm like all for it. Cause I grew up in, you know, dozens of countries and, uh, especially in the middle East. And I have a deep love, uh, for that part of the world. It, it's something where you have so much more flexibility. Uh, you know, you can be there for your partner, uh, if you're married and, and, and they can, if they need to move the family, they can um, without it ruining your career. Yeah. Uh, well, Shaban, very let, hard let me ask you a question uh, real quick. Um, how did you go about the educational process? Because I think one of the things when you're when you're kind of retraining yourself, um, how did you make the education more personal? So I um, I did a lot of courses online. I honestly just turned to um, social media and started looking at different groups of people who were already um, doing what I wanted to do. I'm also kind of lucky in that my father and both of my brothers are also in tech. Uh, so it was pretty easy for me to turn to them and ask for different resources where I could learn. Um, I also had Lily, so I could ask her for a lot of resources. Um, and I'm, I'm a mom, so I had to work with what made the most sense for me. So they have amazing boot camps out there where you go and you're in a classroom for, you know, however many hours a day for whatever, 12, 16 weeks. And then boom, you are ready to jump in and you're fully knowledgeable, but having kids, it wasn't really able to do that. So I had to go online and just focus on, you know, classes that I could take at my own pace. Um, and really just focused on finding things like that. Once I realized what I enjoyed doing, I just went right to the source. So if I wanted to learn about SEO, I went right to Google. If I wanted to learn about Facebook marketing, I went right to Facebook blueprint. Um, so it was a matter of just reaching out and asking for help and knowing, um, or learning, I guess, where the right place to ask for help was. I think there's such misinformation out there about what it takes, um, to break into this industry. And really what it comes down to that I saw a spark go off in Bonsai, Siobhanzai, I call her Bonsai, <laughs> um, is so what, so what I saw with Siobhan was that she discovered her inner nerd. And that sounds ridiculous, right? But when you get obsessed with something and you get excited about something, it's transformative. And I think that when there are so many resources out there, it's not, you know, the 1970s anymore. 
education isn't just limited to universities. There are so many opportunities, free and paid, out there. Um, you can do a full tr- um, break into tech blueprint on Skill Crush, and it's fifteen ninety nine, I think. Uh, I, will, and- I will say that I don't mean to cut you off, but I will say that there's an oversaturation of learning. Oh, for sure. I feel like. I mean, what's the difference between like a Skillshare class and doing something at like the Flatiron School? I'm, I'm sure that there's like maybe like a famous person teaching the class, but at the end of the day, I'm not here for the famous person. I'm here to learn right. specific skill sets. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like Amazon, read reviews, you know, and, and know where their where their graduates are ending up. I mean, I love Skill Crush because it's not a an in person experience, but it's something that's made for women. Uh, run by women, and I think it's empowering. And they break up their their uh, course fee into I think one hundred and fifty nine dollars a month over twelve months, which is something that is pretty digestible for most people. Uh, unlike you know, if you went to some of the elite boot camps where it's thousands and thousands of dollars and you have to pay up front or you have to wait for a credit check or, you know. I do feel like the people who are taking skill crush classes at home are a different constituency than the people who are going to these boot camps, right? Like people who are self-motivated people like you, Siobhan, are probably doing these like home courses and like you can motivate yourself to stay on task. You can motivate yourself to have goals. But I feel like someone maybe who's like fresh out of college, maybe got like a poli sci degree or something like that. And then they decided, oh shit, I want to do, I want to do software engineering. I'm going to go to general assembly. Like that's the person that these boot camps are targeting, like people who might might have had a pivot in their career, or maybe even someone who's been in the career for a long time, and now they want to get into tech, and they were previously like, I don't know, like a copywriter or something like that. Right. And I think that there's a, there's a very much a persona for both. Uh, I think that a lot of people graduate with a BA in English and realize, oh, well, um, it's hard to get a job. Well, let, let me dive in here on something because I think I think the discussion about these different schools and these different ways of becoming educated is actually very important. I think it's kind of the thrust of kind of what I think this next phase and when we talk about, since everything on this show is talking about projecting things into the future, I think the educational system, the way that it currently is now, the university system is not sustainable. When, when, when you hear stories like Shabon's where she's talking about, you know what, I just I just decided I was going to learn it. And I went and learned it and then got a job doing it. That actually uh, is fascinating because I have a daughter who is now entering into the university level. And when we're doing all these school tours, it's really fascinating when you hear more about the Western um, kind of liberal arts education, where it's about exploration of who they are and as a human being. And then there's a lot of the art and design schools, which are like, we will place you and we will place 90% of our students in a job. And the educational systems in those two systems are radically different. Um, and I think they're, they're getting closer to something like if you're motivated, you will get a lot out of it. If you're not, you're not going to succeed in this. It, what are your guys' thoughts just on that as a general? Because the the university system is not great. <laughs> I mean, I think we're putting too much pressure on kids who are 18, frankly. Um, um, but – I think that that's way too much pressure for them to make a decision that is going to affect the rest of their lives really, really early. I mean, I think we should bring back the gap year, uh, frankly. I also think that uh, there is a certain amount of 
self-limiting in the way that our education system is uh, set up, where it isn't empowering. I mean, you have scholarships available, but in terms of access to education, you know, who's the majority of the the, the student population? It's going to be the kids mm-hmm. that um, are okay not working for four years. And um, that disproportionately rolls out kids that are yeah. from disadvantaged backgrounds. Like, I mean, we, we, we talk about like the student loan debt. Okay. But it's also four years lost of job earnings. That's yeah. I, just I went as absolutely broke. I went absolutely broke. It took, it took so long to recover because I had to work and I had a family and I had to um, go to school. And uh, yeah, not too. only did I go broke, but mentally it, it was, I was burned out by the time it was all done to change the subject a little bit, one of the things I was reading that's really fascinating this week is, is one of the heirs uh, to the Disney fortune was talking about how um, they're not paying employees. And what they kicked back was Disney has this remarkable program in which they pay for their employees to go to school. And there's an interesting precedent set here. What if the educational system starts being more relied on these large corporations educating their people? So if you get in, you could come in let's say in a entry level job, like a lot of the workers at Disneyland when they're working retail, Mm -hmm. but then the educational system is actually built in. So like they have the Disney college program, which my daughter is a part of that actually paid for her education that paid for her housing. And then, um, she worked in the park. Heck yes. I mean, that's fascinating (laughs) to me. Well, um, I think that that's, that's something that I've, that I've talked to some of our associates about who are like, well, should I go get a four-year degree or should I not go get a four-year degree? And I say, absolutely, you should get a four-year degree when you can do it while already being in that industry, potentially having um, some sort of uh, education assistance through your company. Um, I think that working through a four-year degree more gradually and while supported by your own income and while you are in a place in your life where you know what you want to do and how, you know, and, and are really motivated, that's a really powerful thing. And, um, I think, frankly, it's an investable thing for companies to do. Absolutely. So how, how do we get the word out for modern workforce education that does not have the finish line? Yeah. Yeah, there is there is no ending to oh, your yeah. education. At least you should have that mm-hmm. mentality. Uh, well, yeah, if, there, if there's an end to your education, you're committing com- career suicide. Like, there is not a day that goes by that I don't have to learn things, and I, I think that that's what sometimes people miss and ends up, you know, kind of plateauing, if not, you know, killing their career. Uh, mm-hmm. But. I think that there is a, and I'm actually in the process of working on um, a multimedia, completely non-promotional, but content piece, uh, basically to get that word out. Um, And I have some incredible support behind me in terms of people who are excited to help me spread the word. And I think that there's two things. You have to educate uh, tech companies, the employers. And then you uh, and about the HR requirements and why they why they are still listing a four year degree. Um, hey, Facebook just stopped uh, yeah, adding that to their job descriptions. Heck yes. Um, why aren't you doing it? 
<laughs> you know, like I think that there's a certain component of that. And then there's also going component- to rely on big business to set a precedent for the requirements for positions and the type of compensation packages we're negotiating for ourselves. Like I remember when I applied for my current position, I asked about like, you know, conferences because I want to continue learning, you know, like I asked about um, taking Skillshare classes online and like maybe even potentially pursuing a degree later on as I got into like a more seasoned employee and they were totally down for that. And, you know, that was one of the mm-hmm. big reasons that I took the job that I have now. Yeah. And as a manager, I always would not force, but like very much encourage my employees. I said, you know, if you want to take five, five hours a week and, you know, you have Linda available to you, you have a uh, team tree house available to you. If you want to take, you know, f- five hours or your lunch hour and do that, um, I'm all for it. You know, I, I think that that's something that's absolutely valuable because it's a, it turns them into stronger stronger contributors to a team. And uh, I think that one of the big things that I'm out to show with Mama Bear is the business profitability, and that's why I structured it not as a not as a nonprofit but as a for profit because I want to show the case study and I want to show the data and I want to show how that can pay off in terms of yeah. this model. Actually, actually let me, um, Siobhan, you're being very quiet there, so I'm going to call you out again. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's take this, the same kind of transition that you had to go through. Uh, and let's imagine it for one of your children in 10, 15 plus years. How would you like to see it improved than what you had to go through for them? Honestly, I would love to see more. I would love to see more colleges give their students the opportunity to get into a field. And because for me, I didn't even I didn't finish college because I had to go through two years, so four or five semesters of history and art and math and science and all these things that are important, but did not help me get any closer to figuring out what the heck I wanted to do. So if we encourage to figure out what you didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I had classes that I enjoyed. I enjoyed our, my humanities class where I learned about art and, you know, there were different things that I enjoyed, but nothing that pointed me anywhere in the direction of something that I would make a career out of. So I think it's important as much as your prerequisites and your math and your science and all of that is important. I think that we should also be pushing students to take, you know, intro classes into different things that will show them, different fields so they can kind of get their feet wet, kind of understand. I mean, the closest thing I got to it was my psychology class. So I thought I wanted to be a psychologist, but it was just because that was the only thing that I had access to that wasn't math. So I think it's important. To, I hate math too. You're not. Yeah. Math. I think it's important to have some class, more classes available for students to kind of figure it out. And I think it's important that we educate our kids and let them know that there are other options outside of school. I think that a degree is important, but I don't think that it's the be all end all for every single person. Um, So I think that we should encourage them to try other avenues, whether it's an online course, whether it's a boot camp, whether it's a a program, there's tons of schools around me that offer different programs um, and they let high school students come in and shadow for a semester, which I think is phenomenal. I mean, back to your point, Siobhan, I will, I will say that I think that universities are overwhelmed, you know, like, 
everyone that goes to school doesn't actually want to be in school, you know, for whatever reason that is, like maybe their parents force them to go to school or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that these 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 boot camps and these alternative um, learning uh, institutions are great. And especially if we could tie that, like for the future, if we could somehow tie that into hiring, that's what people want. That's what people seek out. Like I just saw this funny meme on Twitter that was like, um, I'm $25,000 in debt and I've already paid off 12 of a of a $24,000 debt. So it's like, wait, did you did you do the math there? Like you actually are further debt because you got a loan. You know what I mean? It's almost like yeah. maybe we should go to school later and, you know, like try to save money. I mean, that's a very privileged thing to say, but I mean, for those of us who can do it, you know, like don't take the loan out, don't give the money to the man. I think that's exactly what we're advocating mm-hmm. for. I can honestly say my best educational experience that I've had in a long time was master class um, where, and, and it's a silly, it, like on the surface, it's a silly concept, but basically they have celebrities and people at the top of their fields like Spike Lee teaches film and, and Christina Aguilera teaches singing. She and- does not teach singing. Are you serious? <laughs> she does. I'm going to take that point. That's Hans, amazing. <laughs> Hans Zimmer teaches film scoring and all, all of which that I do in my spare time. And I, and that, um, Steve Martin teaches comedy. So they have all these great people teaching these classes and it's really well designed. I learned a ton in these classes from these guys. Um, And I think that is a great way to teach arts and humanities and and some of the stuff that colleges, I think, fail at. Because I think a lot of time in colleges, if you really want to get into writing, for instance, you have to take a year of Latin uh, in some of the four-year institutions and and then you lose. That's like, I, I can't do that. Prerequisites are forced on students and it just doesn't seem necessary. Like you're taking an art history course with someone who like doesn't really want to teach like a a multitude of different majors, right? You want to teach art history with a concentration, I don't know, design or whatever. But there's also students in that class who are doing nursing because it's a prerequisite. There's also students in a class that are doing dentistry and that's a prerequisite for them. But I almost feel like why, why force feed people to learn art history if that's not what they really want to do? I was working as a web designer and I had to force my way into a graphic design class my senior year of college. I was I had the opposite problem. I was I was in communication design and I had to force my way into web architecture because I didn't have any science prerequisites, which beep oh my God, it's just I just I just don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's silly, but seriously, where is the prerequisite for job skills? Where's the prerequisite for personal finance? Right. I have friends who graduate with and a I think we've lost a million that in kind of the liberal arts system. Sorry. Yes. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we have a little bit, I should explain to everybody who's listening uh, that we do have a little bit of an echo because we didn't even go into this. Um, so, uh, Siobhan, you're in uh, Florida. Is that right? Yeah, Orlando. Yep. You're in Orlando. Lily is in Washington, D.C. Tree and I are in New York. So I was going to say I was in Thailand, but okay, I guess I'm in New York. So if there's a little bit of overlap in us kind of talking over each other, it's because we're doing this uh, in a fairly high-tech broken way, shall we say. <laughs> so the idea of the pod, of this particular podcast is how the future is going to be better, how the future is going to be great. Um. Let's, why don't you start, Lily, and then Siobhan, you can follow, but let's move this out into perfect world future. Because one of the things that, I, that I've brought up several times in this show is the fact that in the, when you look in the 50s and 60s, you, you look, they had this 
this ideas of what the future was, which would be flying cars, which would be, you know, these amazing cities, this amazing technology, this amazing health and all that stuff. And for the most part, it was a bunch of white people that were enjoying it. And so as we move forward, I think one of the most exciting things is the fact that now we're, we're talking about plotting out a future that is more inclusive, that is for everybody. And we have a lot of problems, but we're in the process of solving those problems, which is what's really exciting to me. So It's going to get messy had, before it gets great. That's what right. I have to mm-hmm. say. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. absolutely right. So moving forward, uh, let's say 25 years, and let's just say we, we are able to solve some of the problems that we're facing um, right now. How do you see the education and the workforce and, and corporations working together? Well, I think that in the future, I hope that higher education still very much happens, but it happens at an affordable time pace. So I hope that corporations, first of all, realize that it actually is cost beneficial to offer education benefits, but also that people aren't forced to decide at 18 what they want to do with their life. Siobhan? An ideal future, I mean, college would be free. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I would like to see, um, I would like to see a lot more life skills kind of piggybacking off of what Lily said there. I think it, there's a lot you're kind of left hanging out in the rain outside of a career um, at that age that are really important to learn personal finance, um, you know, beyond that, like investing and learning about real estate. Like there's so many other things that you can learn about that are not just traditional career focused things that are important. Um, and I'd like to see a lot more programs outside of four year programs. I know the colleges near me, are already starting to create, like, um, they started a new program for social media. Like if you want to run social media, you can take this program. Um, and I think that if, if our education is catching up with new positions that are being created, influencer positions and social media manager positions and all of these new fields that didn't exist, however many years ago, if they create these programs, it'll help them provide more opportunity for the next generation, but also, um, help funnel people into those jobs and and help people start making good money. Yeah. And I think that's a great point because it's one thing to have the jobs. The other thing is how are you getting people to the jobs? And I think that's the biggest disconnect. And that's where the Disney model I think is fascinating because it, I, and, and it all gets back to, I think what Lily said at the very beginning for me is the concept of apprenticeship as opposed to internship. I think is is one of the key elements here. If I I remember I grew as a designer the fastest when I had a really great creative director that I could sit under and really have them say, you know, avoid this, avoid this, do this, don't don't do that. I grew faster in that that segment of my career than I think any other segment of career. And so I think for me and then um Tree, you can chime in next. For me, the concept of apprenticeships uh, in a career and not just in a university education, for me, seems absolutely incredibly uh, uh, innovative, but yet it's, it's such a kick to the past, right? It's, 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 but it's been tried and, tr- and true. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity for corporations to say, hey, we will pay for your um, four-year degree 
when you take it at a you know sustainable rate, and then you won't be left with a gigantic debt at the end. However, then you're signing on for you know X number of years as an employee. Like that's completely legitimate. That's exactly what that's exactly what uh, military academies do, and I think that that's completely valid. Well, and I think and it empowers the person looking for the job too if they know. Okay, like for me especially, I think I had a lot of confidence learning and and pushing out for these things because I had your support, Lily. So I think if you know that you can get into a field through these types of programs and know that you're not just going to be dumped into this pond and kind of be left to figure it out, then you're going to feel more inclined to want to get back in there because you know you're going to have the support to do it and do it really well. Well, let's be honest. What do most corporations look at internships as. They look at them as cheap, basic labor. I mean, and that's sad but true. Um, whereas if you look at it as professional development, even though that's what we should be thinking about internships as, usually that's not the case. I mean, in all truthness, like I, I, I have to say that there was actually a position while I was at um, about two jobs ago that was um, I was just kind of like, you know, when you're at work and you're like looking online to see who's hiring and whatever. I found <laughs> a job, a company that I really wanted to work for. They had a design apprenticeship. And I'm like, Carrie, I'm like back then I was like five or six years in the industry. And I was like, can I leave my full time job to go do an apprenticeship for a blank company? And I was like, hell yeah, I can. So I applied. <laughs> I was overqualified. But that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like what's wrong with someone in any industry wanting to do an apprenticeship? You know, it's good for the company. It's investment for them. It's an investment for me. And in reality, I feel like people stray away from the word apprenticeship because of the the age old association. But in reality, let's bring that back because, you know, in the age of boot camps and the age of like self-teaching, it needs to come back. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I will say that we are running out of time. So, um, I think final thoughts. Let's do final thoughts. Um, I think I want to pose a question to each of you. The question would be, where do you see workplace education landing in the future? Siobhan, you can go first. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I would hope that it would become the norm. I would hope that it would be that people would not even think twice about that being being available. Um, I would hope that companies start realizing the value in investing in their employees on that level and make it standard. I would, I would hope that moving forward, companies start seeing the potential monetary benefit of something other than the 22 year old college graduate associate, that there are other options out there and that they are an investable asset if you if you uh, approach their career development the right way. Right. Grayson, I'm going to pass it to you real quick. Um, I would say, uh, I would agree completely with Lily in, in the idea that that not only do businesses benefit from it, but it actually creates an employee that is a little more likely to stay, to finish uh, their degree, to finish, because they feel like they have a path, they feel like they have a purpose, they have a way to grow. There's a roadmap for them, you know what I mean? Right. 
Um, but also, I think the reason my companies are fearful of this is because they're worried that employees will leave. They'll stay here long enough to do the education, and then they're out to go to the next company. And I think that is precisely the mentality they should have. If you're everybody I've managed, if they feel that they've outgrown the company, I count it as a success. Um, that they should encourage the fact that people should constantly be growing as people, as a profession, and moving on with the career. Uh, I, th I think that'd be the most positive thing that we, we could see, that they stay until they feel they've been able to get everything they can out of a company and move on with good feeling and, and the blessing of, of the company. But I think if you're hiring at 40K less, you should be putting 20K back into their education, period, end of story. I think that that makes sense. And I love that. That's well.